After almost 900 days, we are back to break down a new episode of Peaky Blinders. Welcome in to Buy Order of the Peaky Blinders, the number one podcast. I'm Daniel Gilman, and all the way across the pond, I'm joined by a special guest down under the Flanders mud, helping us out. It's Angie from the Peaky Blinders season six social media pages. Josh is on vacation, so Angie's Gleely filling in for this season six, episode one, and, and Angie, Black Day. Instant reaction from you. What would you think? Wow, what a start. It, I, I still haven't found the words to kind of like convey everything that we saw already. I think so much happened in just that hour. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, that's a great point. Well, you know what? First off, I, I wore a hat today so I can take my hat off to Stephen Knight and Anthony oh. Byrne. Because over the past two years, we have been a little critical of season five, as have a lot of the Peaky Blinders fans, because it just didn't have the same pizzazz that seasons one through four had. And especially early in the season, a lot of, uh, a lot of quick scenes, you know, a lot of those episodes, and we did our rewatch over on the patreon.com slash by order of Peaky we just finished up the season five rewatch. And a lot of those early season episodes of season five, there were 25 scenes in the episode. And so the first thing I wrote down after this episode ended, it was 58 minutes long. The first three minutes were previously on. And the last two minutes was a tribute to Helen McCrory of just birds and silence during the credits. There were long scenes. It was meaty. It let us sit in our room with our favorite characters for a long time, like Michael and Tommy, you know, obviously Gina and Tommy. There, there were so much that, that I loved about this episode. There was nothing that I didn't like. I, this was a near perfect episode. I'm going to say, though, we didn't get Red Right Hand, which is a little disappointing <laughs> because it was a staple of, of this show before it became this famed you know, worldwide phenomenon. And so to take that away from Nick Cave and him being the, the voice of the, of the intro was still a little disappointing to me. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel like that. I know Anthony wanted to kind of change things up and, and make it a little bit different, but I think that, you know, it's such an integral part of the show. It feels like there was something just missing a little bit for me and for a lot of other people as well, I think. Yep, and so let's let's dive right into it. So what, what the broadcast schedule is going to be over here on our podcast every week until this season wraps is we'll have the instant reaction, sometimes on Sunday, sometimes on Monday. It all is going to have to depend on technical situations. And then over on the Patreon, Josh and I will be breaking down a little bit more of a couple days reaction Thursday, Friday, later in the week with maybe a, a, a episode preview of the next one with a bit of a prediction. And so you can go ahead and join us over there. We're so happy to have our Patreon subscribers. And of course, if you're just listening and you have no idea what, what we're talking about because you don't know how to find this episode, we are so pleased that over 20 people yesterday on Sunday, the 27th, signed up for the ExpressVPN to watch it like I did in America. And that is the, the link in the show notes try expressvpn.com slash peaky and for just five dollars seven dollars whatever option you want to choose just a couple dollars a month you can watch peaky blinders it worked perfectly angie so i'm really happy i, I was a little oh nervous God. that bbc <laughs> was going to try to like 
you know, throw some things our way and make us jump through hoops. But I just turned on the, the, the VPN. I pressed London and it allowed me to watch the episode in its entirety with subtitles. I could rewind. I've already watched it twice. How happy are you that the first scene was a continuation and it was the gun to Tommy's head, him trying to shoot himself, and of course, of all people to save Tommy's life, it's Arthur to take out the bullets. I know, and I feel that's kind of like, you know, Tommy's saved Arthur so many times, and then Arthur is, you know, kind of finally be the one that, that saves Tommy, and maybe he saw something in Tommy in that drive home that he kind of recognizes in himself, you know, that um, maybe Tommy was going down a, that path, and he did, and, and essentially, Tommy pulled the trigger, didn't he? We heard the gun you know the, the release of the gun and that's what lizzie so said yeah in in her in her nightgown um and and maybe you know the scene that they show us it was a very long previously on i felt like i had just watched it because it was only two days ago that i watched the finale <laughs> with josh but i think maybe it was the line that he had found someone he couldn't beat that had arthur thinking oh i should be worried about tommy right now and so uh, Tommy has a long kind of a drawn out scene there where he talks about how, and I think he's talking to either Polly or Grace. Um, I think he's talking to Grace though, because remember we have that, that vision of Grace in the field ta yeah. telling Tommy to, to do it. And he, he's kind of saying like, they won't let him die, right? You know, it, it, something's preventing him from killing himself. I noticed he had long hair. And then of course the, the introduction to the newest, uh, I don't want to call it a bad guy, but it feels like it's going to be a bit of a villain here with the IRA. We find out that Captain Swing, of course, needed Mosley alive. And so she killed Barney. She, they, they kind of alluded that, that, that they killed Abarama, but we know that it was more like Jimmy and, and, you know, and the Billy Boys that ended up killing Abarama. And then, of course, uh, the, the quote, you know, for now on, it'll be us that you lean on. And then they, yeah. showed, they show the Polly portrait and, and the funeral. And that was that was heavy. It was heavy. As soon as she said on the phone, we've kicked away your crutch. I went, oh, no, I know what this is going to be. And um, yeah, his face when he cuts the, the, you know, the body bag open. I think, you know, Killian's very good at um, kind of acting with his eyes. But yes. And, and I am I don't know about you, but. I need a little bit more. I want a couple more days to really digest the information and, and wait for a couple of the stories to come out throughout the week to give my full opinion on the way that, that they decided to write off Polly's character. But off the bat, I am happy with the decision that Stephen Knight made because he could have gone different ways, right, Angie? He could have yeah. moved to Australia or just been an off-camera <laughs> character. But if he had yeah. died late in the season, that would have felt weird. I think I kind of, at first, I did think that she was going to be living somewhere else and, you know, they'd reference her. And then I just thought, well, that would actually be really rubbish. <laughs> so I think she I kind of had to go in some kind of blaze of glory. But I mean, how could you do that with her obviously not being there? So I, I think it was it was a perfect way, really. I think they did did really well. And then you told me that you were actually there. Where was yeah. this? It was this in Manchester when they were filming? Um, on the yeah, mug? so this is at, um, it's filmed at Arley Hall in Cheshire. That's um, Tommy's yeah. house. It's called Arrow House. Um, and it was the very, very last day of filming um, on May. I think it was May the 27th. Um, and we could obviously see certain things being filmed. And we saw these three body bags turn up, um, obviously off the back of the van. And we were kind of like, well, it's definitely Abarama, definitely Barney who is that third bag you know we just we couldn't work out who it was going to be and then so yeah 
I think it, I think it was a lot harder for me to watch that scene because I knew obviously we didn't know at the time what we were watching being filmed but seeing it and knowing we were actually there while it was being filmed was kind of extra special. And then this was also something that Josh and I had been not expecting but you know somewhat bracing for and that was it, it took nine minutes so this opening scene was a nine minute scene and then it goes four years in the future and we're at, we're at McQuelton Island in Newfoundland, the French territory outside of Canada. Tommy's walking through the docks. And I don't know about you, but I am very happy that all of the photos that we were leaked early in the yeah. filming, they all got out of the way in the first episode. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like when a show exposes too much in the trailers, but no, Peaky Blinders, everything we saw, the, the fight scene that we thought between Michael with the mustache happens here when he's yeah. in prison. The, you know, it's, it's, it's December 5th, 1933. Tommy is worried that he might die. So he tells the, uh, the, 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 the policeman to call his brother if he dies. And it's, it's a meeting between Tommy and Michael with the Irish gang that he has spent the last four years working with. And it's, Ooh, it's Gina's Uncle Jack. And this is a, uh, a highly anticipated moment, at least for us, right? Because we know that Anya Taylor, our Gina's character, has been teased that her family was going to be involved. And I'm, again, so happy that Stephen Knight gave it to us right away. Yeah. Like, all of, a lot of our questions that we had at the end of season five are literally kind of answered within the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of the hour-long episode. Tommy is done drinking. He has a new yeah. black, black puppy, which is a, an adorable little dog. It's, oh, no. I've got go a little ahead. theory about that. So black it, dogs um, actually represent depression. Okay. I was going to guess that it's just a baby that Cyril, you know, maybe Cyril got a little breeding no, action. No, I, I think it's like a weird, like a little symbol that, that you know, yeah. it's kind of following Tommy around. Sorry, just to get I like that, that. No, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like that. You know what? You know, obviously we know that Stephen Knight, the writer and creator, is... Uh, is very verse with his analogies and his symbolism. Yeah. Um, we, get a, we get the quote from Polly while Tommy waits for Michael that says, you know, I'm sensing a war and one of you is going to die. I just don't know who. And this meeting is, uh, is great. It's, it's, it's everything I wanted it to be. First, you know, you've got the Tommy at the bar scene with all of the men who just lost their job bootlegging. Tommy wants to basically offer them a job. They don't know it yet. And they burn the card, which later Tommy comes back down and gives him the new, the new business card. Because, drum roll, we're going to be dealing some, some heroin, some opium. You know, that's, it's, it's, yeah. a cer it's certainly an interesting lane to go through. But I don't know about you, but I noticed right away that Tommy is once again just the messenger. He's working for the IRA. He's working for the Shanghai Mafia one, again. And we didn't... Can you believe we didn't get one Oswald Mosley scene in the entire episode? I know. I, th I think I think the the best is yet to come. I'm happy about it. So, so much more. Yeah. Um. So a couple a couple um lines that we got. Tom, Tommy talked about his associates in Belfast using the boat systems in Michelin and the the hands of the capitalists from New York, Boston, and Toronto. And of course, he used that word Boston, and all of the guys sitting there are working and from. Boston and later we get the tease about maybe working with Alfie's family yeah and, the Solomon names have dropped yeah. in there and that's the uh that's that's the uh the East Boston Jews so now we're working with the Southeast which is very much the old school gang 
Um, there's been a, a couple really, really famous gangsters in South Boston. Johnny Depp was in that movie a couple years ago where he played one of the most uh, tenacious um, South Boston gangsters. And so when, when you see this scene and they talk about Jack Nelson and Michael feels like he can trust Tommy a little bit, was that surprising to you? No, I, I think um, I think Michael just always wants to be Tommy and he looks up to Tommy. And I think he's been kind of led down a path that maybe he didn't necessarily want to go down. I think Gina has been a big influence in this. So I think, yeah, but then he does explain to Regina a bit later on that, you know, it's all part of his end game. It, it so. is. And uh, he, Michael, of course, I, meant, I, I didn't mention this, but during the poly scene with them burning the Romany style um, wagon in their funeral and they show everyone face the faces of Arthur and, and, and uh, Ada actually had to film that separately because she said she was having her baby when they filmed that scene. So they had to later include Sophie Rundle and she oh, talked to Digital Spy that. about that. See, sometimes yeah. I, can, I can hit Angie with something. Yeah, you're giving me info. I like go. it. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, and, and Michael vowed that he would get revenge on the man who killed his mom, which he says was Tommy Shelby. But in this scene, they're, they're trying to do business together. I love, I just love Finn Cole and the way that he can do the, and he does it in Animal Kingdom too. I don't know if you've ever seen that show that he stars in he does that little exhale of the cigarette smoke and inhales it through his nose it is so cool it's just typical like i don't know it's just it's just one of those things that is just so cool to watch and if you guys miss that you might want to go back to that scene he does it twice um tommy hits him with a nice line whiskey is just fuel for the loud engines inside your head and then reads the poison tree by william blake and leaks the informant at the end of the meeting. Was there anything about that meeting that stuck out to you? Uh, no, I think you, you covered the fact, I think, um, with Michael and how he does kind of trust Tommy a little bit to kind of... So, so it does lead us right into the fact there was only one thing that I really had spoiled for me from the leaked photos. And that's, I knew that Michael was gonna go to jail, right? Because yeah. we saw those pictures of him in the prison outfit and that was the only thing that was like, ah, you know, it is what it is. You, you know, you can't avoid everything. And if you're going to cover a show, it's better to just make sure that you have everything. And that was what, like 11 months ago that we saw yeah. those pictures. So we, we didn't know why he was going to get end up there. And we didn't know at what point he was going to yeah. get there. But in the so. moment, in the moment, I was pretty confident that Tommy was about to call him in with the briefcase. And that's exactly what he did. You have the, uh, the five pounds of opium in the, in the briefcase. <laughs> but how about the little hat tip? that he says, I'm just a concerned citizen. Call me Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones, yeah. That and that's obviously great. what Michael called him. That was what Michael he? wanted his uh, pseudonym to be in that big uh, meeting at the end of season six, uh, five. Um, by the way, I, I found out that movie, it was called Black Mass with Johnny Depp. He played Whitey Bulger. So that's a lot of the Southie style. There was a show called Ray Donovan as well on Showtime that really went into the Southie mentality. And so these guys are from South Boston, of course, You've got the East Boston and it comes into play when Gina goes to meet with Michael. Clearly upset. Michael wants to get out of prison. Jack's not going to let him get out of prison yet. But we get a huge drop. And this is something I can admit that I was wrong, but I'm not going to admit that I'm wrong yet. They have a kid. His name is yeah. Lawrence. Yes. That's the first thing I said. I was like, she really was pregnant. She really was nobody, pregnant. Nobody, yeah. Nobody expected that. Not even Polly. <laughs> Um, 
I'm still going to hold on to the minor shred of hope that it's Oswald Mosley's baby. And that was like our big prediction in our, in our season five rewatch. Well, obviously we see that, that, that there's a chance that that was Gina having sex with Oswald in the, in the dressing room before his big speech. Cause it had her hairstyle. Oh. So there's a possibility cause there's maybe Polly just didn't sense that it was her family's baby. When she said, I don't, I don't sense a baby in there. So that's the only thing that I can still hold on to, but I don't know. You know, we we'll can, have we to can, wait and we'll, see. We'll have to wait and see. Gina invites Tommy over in my favorite scene of the episode. This was so well acted. It was so well shot. The music was incredible. The, the sadness from Gina as a drunk and Tommy as a, like a introspective sober man now hitting her back with the fall on your knees for your uncle was like, wow, what a line. Um, can't have white powder on his black boots when he goes to meet the president. That was another great line that she said, FDR, his daughter is going with Jack and Gina to London. So we're, we're going to have everyone meeting. I'm, I'm excited. I don't know who the actor is going to be. Is it going to be Stephen Graham? Is it, is it going to be James Freshville? There's a lot of, comp, you know, there's a, lot, a lot, of, lot of news around. Who knows? Don't say anything, Angie, even hey. though you... <laughs> the one thing that did hit me and I was a little upset about was that Uncle Jack does not exist, right? In all of these, these historically fiction seasons, there's been a lot of characters that have existed and haven't existed. I kind of wanted Stephen Knight to use someone in Gina's family that was like a real gangster in America. Yeah, that would have been good. But then <laughs> you, you struggle then with the artistic license of like what exactly you can do with that character. Right, you that's true. You can't go too outside the confines of what that actual real person did. So I guess with, with Jack's character, it, it, he's free to do yeah. whatever he wants that character to do. Now, of course, Oswald Mosley and Diana Mitford, who we still haven't met yet, are going to be true to life as Winston Churchill. And they mentioned Roosevelt. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was America's president back then. Um, and we get the Alfie Solomons family reference. And Gina flips out on that, especially when Tommy tells her that it was him who tipped off the police. We get that crazy scene again, the one that we saw the pictures of with, with Michael yelling at Tommy. Jack headed to England with Gina. The, I have one, one minor quip, so it wasn't a perfect episode because the first scene that we saw Michael in, his mustache was perfect. His second scene, it was like a little crooked. And I noticed that when he was out there outside in the prison. So that was funny. Oh. I hadn't noticed the mustache. Just, just, just a little bit, something that I, I caught in the second watch. Tommy I'm going to have to watch uh, that back. I thought Tommy had a girlfriend, but then we later find out that she's just a, a prostitute because she goes to take some money off of his desk yeah. in exchange for a, a little bit of hanky-panky. When Lizzie calls and gives him the news that Ruby is sick, and this is the big <laughs> stuff, right? Because Ruby is yeah. saying these, these Romany words, Tickner Mora, oh bang, oh bang. And there's a man with green eyes. And I loved this little twist at the end because the episode could have been great in itself. And then they throw in a little wrinkle that adds drama to the scenario and has us thinking, oh, like, is she suffering from the same thing that Tommy's mother suffered from? Because I know that's what Tommy's thinking, telling her to stay uh -huh. away from the canal. Yeah, so he doesn't want her anywhere near the horses or the river. Um, and we obviously know that Tommy's mom, you know, she watched him ride around on a horse and then she threw herself in the uh, in the cup 
Yep, yep. Mason. She walked, walked into the canal, uh, drowned herself, as did his mother's dad, so his grandfather. And there was that very deep scene, season five, episode six, when Charlie Strong basically retold the story that, that Tommy's mm. mom rode away on a horse and didn't come back for many weeks, ended up coming back with a white pony for Tommy. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the episode. We, 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 we end it with that scene of Tommy freaking out right after he tells Lizzie that he found a place with mountains that they can live in. But we get a couple scenes that we can talk about here where Lizzie and Ada are, are chatting in the, uh, the fake Christmas party, which was like three <laughs> weeks before Christmas, which I think is hilarious. And, uh, and, and Lizzie is upset that Tommy isn't drinking. She says she misses the old Tommy. Quote, no yeah. more Polly, no more whiskey, no more Tommy. And, and you could tell there at the end that, that Lizzie is just not, she hasn't signed up for like nice, normal Tommy Shelby. Exactly. I mean, she fell in love with a gangster. That's all she's ever known him as, you know, the bad boy. Um, and then she's watched him, you know, grow up. And now he's a different person. And I think we've all noticed that. <laughs> Drinking water at the bar. I, I loved I loved one more little line there at the end where he says, talk to Johnny Dobbs wives, listen to Esmeralda as if she was the wet nurse. I like that Johnny Dobbs has many wives. I'm not sure that's ever been referenced yeah, before. Yeah, his eldest wife. I was like, what is that reference? He has like multiple wives now. Yeah, apparently. Um, hilarious. We didn't get much <laughs> of Johnny Dobbs. We just got his uh, the zoom into his face during the Polly uh, tribute. And then the, the, the credits roll and it says dedicated to Helen McCrory, OBE. Love that. Birds yeah. are singing. And uh, the first time in Peaky Blinders history that there's no music during the credits. I know, it, it was such a fitting tribute. I think you just hear sort of bird song when you can just kind of imagine her in a field somewhere, you know, walking off into the sunset kind of thing, you know? So yeah, it was lovely. I love that way to end it. I loved it. I loved the episode. It went by so quickly. It was the first episode since the fourth season that I didn't, like have to look at the time to be like, man, where are we in this? You know, because season five yeah. just went by so slow. I mentioned all of the scenes. There were so many scenes in season five. And, and what I mean by that is a two minute scene to another two minute scene to another two minute scene to another two minute scene. They had meat on the bone in this episode. They let us sit in certain scenes. They spent the first, what, like nine minutes building it up and then a 15 minute McQuelton scene to another seven minute Gina and Tommy scene to the Gina and Michael and then the Tommy and Michael. And it was, oh, so happy. I cannot wait. I can't wait to break it all down as the seasons go on. Do you have any other thoughts that you didn't get to go over here? Uh, I know. I think that was it really. I think we covered it all. I just love, I just love, although Tommy's not drinking and he has lost himself, he's, he seems to have, he's a lot clearer and sharper and he's just come out with some great lines. Yes. All the way through the episode. So I'm kind of looking more to see a bit more of that. But I do think he will fall off the wagon. He's got so I'll, I'll leave you all with this and let you think about it. I want to hear all of your opinions on what this poem means. So email us at B-O-O-T, peakyblinders at gmail.com. Or if you're a Patreon member, just message me and you, you know that we respond within the hour. It is this. This is the quote. This is the line. William Blake's poison tree. Quote. I was angry with my friend. I told my wrath. My wrath did end. I was angry with my foe. I told it not. My wrath did grow. And the question is, did Michael get the underlying meaning of that poem 
when Tommy was clearly speaking it right to him. So that's going to be it. Josh and I will be with you soon. And of course, on Patreon, we'll be with you at the end of the week to break everything down. Angie, thank you so much for filling in. I know you didn't have to, and I'm so happy that you're with us. You gave us the boots on the ground perspective over there from the UK. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. So she's Angie, I'm Daniel, and we binge so you don't have to.